Let me take you back really quickly. Uh, you know, I served an LDS mission, came home, married the temple in Los Angeles, had three daughters, raised them LDS until, and then I was searching for about 17 years looking for truth. Now, you got to understand when I say I was searching, every waking hour, I was sitting in a place and I was studying the scripture and searching through books and philosophy and everything else, right? And I was ultimately confronted with some things that evangelical Christianity, sometimes Catholics, sometimes Mormons, sometimes Seventh-day Adventists, whatever it is, most people geared toward Christ in the faith will say these things, okay? And they are bandied about as a result of religious tradition, as a result of people reading the Bible and not understanding the lens through which they should see what they're reading. What they do is they just take the whole book, they read something, they say, this is true, this is what it is, right? And, and there's no thought about who the audience was, what is being said, what time we live in now, what has occurred to set things up, et cetera, et cetera. So cult, Christian ultra-libertarians for truth, uh, responds to the ridiculous positions that come from most Christians' mouths today about the faith. Here are some of them, and we refuse to uh, agree with any of these. All right? God hates people who are not interested in him. He hates them. I had a good Christian uh, apologist tell me God doesn't even know who they are. Okay? I don't believe that's contextually true. Number two, God hates this world and he hates all of this world's inhabitants. I don't believe that's true. Uh, we teach that God loved the world and he gave his son because of that love. The world, right? Some Christians say that the world fell into sin, but God continues and forever will punish people for doing what they naturally do. They're born into this world a certain way, they act on that way, and God punishes them even though they inherited that way from their first parents. We say that's not true. We say that God took care of those things through his son and that the way we are naturally born into this world are just like, well, that's just how it works in this world to God. And he loves those and is calling to all of us so that we can be free from how we were born. But we reject the idea that God punishes people for being born into a world that is sinful and they could do nothing about the way they came into it. All right. The next one is that all non-Christians go to a literal burning place called hell forevermore when they die. That includes all atheists, all Jews, all Muslims, all Buddhists, all Hindus, everybody, and even many Christians, Christians will say, will go to this burning place that was not created for humans, according to scripture. It was created for Satan and his angels and was part of the old covenant, by the way. But they'll say everybody who's not a, a real Christian who doesn't say Jesus' name, God is going to throw into this pit of fire forevermore after this life. We renounce that and say it's not biblical. The next one is all, this gets a little dicey, all non-evangelical Christians also go to that burning place. 
And that includes Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Catholics. It just depends on your bent and your prejudice. And we reject that as well. Completely reject that as well. And see it as not contextually biblical. See, people read the, what they call the New Testament. They say, oh yeah, look at it. They're saying you got to do this, you got to do that. And if you don't, you're going to go to hell. And how can you escape hell and all this stuff? And that applies to everything today. And they just miss seeing the scripture through the lens it should be seen in. Was that ever true at a time? Of course it was. Was hell ever a reality? Of course it was. Of course it was. Uh, but that reality has been overcome by Jesus' victorious work. So we say no to these ideas. The next one is that Jesus saved the world. People will say, Jesus saved the world unconditionally. But if you don't receive him by faith, and if you don't follow him correctly, which usually means, according to our opinions, that you will be punished by a loving God who will send you to this burning hell forevermore. We completely reject that notion. We call it unbiblical. We say it's not true in this day and age of fulfillment. Was it true for Jews who were under the law and in the power of Satan who rejected Christ who was promised to them in that day? Of course it was. But it wasn't eternal punishment. It was God's punishment who is eternal. But that's a whole other subject and story that takes a lot of time. But at cult, we totally say, no way. These are the Christian ridiculouses ridiculousnesses that we are talking about. Christians say Jesus and his apostles all said that he was coming back soon and quickly, that the day was at hand, but he has not yet returned. We trust what Jesus and the apostles say. We trust the secular histories, and we say he came back when he said he would, and he took his pure bride as he promised he would, and that we live in a completely different day and age now. People say the world is going to end. We say, and we go with scripture, the world will never end. Did you know that? The scripture says this earth will never end. No one ever admits to that. Just read Ecclesiastes 1.4, I think it is. But people say, no, the world's going to end. The world, people have been saying for who knows how long, ever since man walked on earth, that this world is going to end. But the scripture says no. It says ages will end if you look at the Greek. So when Christians are saying we're at the end of this world, you know, the earth, the cosmos that God created for human beings, you know, no way. It's not ever ending. Will man destroy himself? Perhaps. Will, you know, could human beings be wiped out by some cataclysm? Maybe. But the world will never end. Ever. That means the kingdom's going to increase forever, according to Isaiah. We often hear that God poured his wrath out upon his son. We completely think that's unbiblical. And we say that he never would do that because God is love and just and merciful. And his son was innocent of sin. But not only that contradiction, it's more important because the phrase pour out means like if I took this Diet Coke and I poured it out, this cup would be empty. God's wrath would be gone if he poured it out upon his son. But after Jesus' death and resurrection, the apostles still talk about God's wrath to come upon those people then. If he poured his wrath out upon his innocent son, which is absolutely unreasonable, illogical, and then he was going to pour again. There's nothing to pour out. 
He already poured it out on his son. See, the scripture clearly shows that God poured his wrath out upon the nation of Israel in Jerusalem in 70 AD at that time. They were the ones who had the law and the prophets. They were the ones who were promised a Messiah who came to them. They were the ones who had that Messiah put to death and God poured his wrath out upon them. Guess what? That means God's wrath doesn't abide on anybody anymore. That's what we preach. Yeah. Will we be judged and assessed according to the lives we live? Of course. Will he punish us in a place afterward for the deeds we do? No. The punishment was paid for by his son on the cross. So God isn't pouring any wrath out in the afterlife anymore. You can be a non-believer. You can be a child murderer. God does not pour his wrath out upon you because of his son. But he will reward all people according to the works that they did, according to their love. So those who kill children, etc., etc., will be rewarded accordingly. They'll be rewarded according to their works. But God's wrath was poured out upon the nation of Israel. And Jesus on the cross paid for the sin of the world. And he, and he died for the world. His death was, was perpetrated by the Jews and the Romans. The next one is that sin still exists. And that God is waiting to punish people for their sin. Okay? I want you to know that sin only exists in the sense of people choosing freely to not believe and then choosing freely not to follow God's template for life. That means loving others unconditionally, selflessly, sacrificially, insufferably. So sin exists in the idea of people saying, I'm not going to believe. That's where the sin lies. The sin of the flesh, the fornication, the getting drunk, the anger, the wrath, paid for by Christ on behalf of the world. All this churching that people do and focus on sin is not true. Otherwise, otherwise Jesus didn't pay for sin and we are still going to pay for it after this life. That's not contextual. People say that the name Jesus Jesus must be said in order for anybody since he came to escape hell and enter into heaven. This is from the South Evangelicals, American Evangelicalism. Got to say Jesus. Receive him into your heart to be saved. Not true. Not true. Remember, there's two types of saved in scripture. There is saved from hell and they're saved to the kingdom of God saved to the kingdom of God after this life comes by faith in God okay so there are people who don't know Jesus name especially not that Anglicanized name they don't know even know who Jesus is but they live by that spirit of Christ which is in them when they die they will see who he was but the name Jesus being spoken as a, as a necessary qualification to escape hell that's been done for and to enter into the king. is just not true when you see what God has done. Okay? Now, is Jesus the only way into that kingdom? Faith on him by the Spirit? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? But the name Jesus, first of all, isn't his name. And it's not even Jesus. It's Yeshua, and that's probably a bad pronunciation because I don't speak Hebrew. 
So forget this Jesus stuff, which is American evangelicalism and the Christianity that we talk about today, and look to people who live by faith and who walk in love. God knows their hearts. Jesus Christ will be revealed to them as Savior of the world, and they will enter into that kingdom. Okay? The next one is that the resurrection is mortal bodies that die being buried are all going to come up out of the grave again like they looked when they lived. Why do they say that? Because Jesus did the same thing when he was alive. They say the way he died and was resurrected is the way all of us will die and ultimately will all come out of the ground. We at Christian Ultra Libertarians for Truth say that is a misnomer. That people have errantly assigned what Jesus did for his call and mission in life. And they've assigned it to themselves when Paul clearly tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. That's not the case. That we die and we get a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. And it has nothing to do with these bodies that we die with. I mean, who wants to live in eternity in, in something that looks like this, right? You know, the Mormons say, oh yeah, every, you're going to come out and every hair of your head will be restored and you'll be in the perfect physical condition that you were on earth. Baloney. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual body. Study 1 Corinthians 15. Look at our teachings on it at cult.love and you'll see it's not a physical body. People have been getting heavenly bodies ever since Jesus returned in 70 AD. The next one is that the New Testament is a collection of books written by men and that we are to read this New Testament as if it is our law, right? And that Christians read that New Testament and we say, this is how we must do things and how we must live. When in fact, the New Testament is actually described by God himself in Jeremiah 31, and, and, and it's not a collection of books. It's the day, it's the day, and this is my New Testament, God says, when he will write his laws upon your heart and upon your mind, you see. And no man will say, know the Lord, know the Lord, for all will know him. So that collection of books that we read to understand what God has done to reconcile himself to the world, valuable invaluable. We read it and study it word for word at, at cult.love, but it's as a means to understand the picture of the victory God has had over all things as a means to reconcile the world to himself. When men and women take those books, they call them a New Testament, which is not God's New Testament, and they start following those as laws, they're just like the Jews. They're just like the Jews. And they become legalistic. They become judgmental. They become condemnatory of people who don't agree with their personal interpretation of those words written in ink and on paper. The next one is God is all-knowing and all-powerful, but he is incapable of saving anybody. And therefore, everybody must be elected by him or go to hell. That's the Calvinist position. It's complete BS. It's not true. 
God is victorious. He had victory over everything that inhibits us. The only thing God who is good does is he now lets every individual choose what path they want to take in life. The next one is God is love. And, but being love and all-knowing, he created a world uh, where most people will die with the sin natures they were born in and then he'll punish them for it. How illogical can you get? I would never be a Christian if I came to realize that that's what it was. That, hey, most people born in this world in sin because Adam and Eve, the first parents, sinned, and God doesn't elect them because he, or whatever, and they die and go to hell, and God knew they would. No way. No way. Cult does not teach that. We teach what the scripture actually says. That human beings are predestined by God. We renounce that. That people must go to brick and mortar churches ever in order to be right with God. That they must pay tithing money of their, of their hard uh, earnings in order to please God. That they must get baptized in water in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that they must do any other list of religiously inclined things. We at Christian Ultra Libertarians for Truth say maybe that was necessary or certainly it was necessary in the old testament it was certainly necessary with the apostolic church which was the pure and holy bride she had to be pure and holy for christ to come and take her but when it comes to the rest of us brick and mortar religions done no man will say know the lord know the lord for all will know me we also hear that um people who have never heard not only say, never heard of Jesus, the aborigines, the old story, go directly to hell. That's a lie. Calvin said that babies go to hell. That's a lie. All of that is just men interpreting scripture wrongly and not seeing it through the lens that they should. And then there, there are other commandments that Christians need to follow besides walking in faith and love. That's not what scripture says. Scriptures say that uh, there is... Uh, religious authority on this earth that must be followed by by believers not true not true there's no established religious authority given to men no priesthood on this earth that men have to and women have to look to in order to be right with god that was done away with in christ christians today say that um life must be lived solely for god in order to please him and that God sees other pursuits as evil or missing the mark. I suggest to you that God has given life and he says, live it the way that you want, how you pursue it. Even if you are going to pursue the darkest corners of existence, prey upon people and hurt them. Guess what? God gives you that right. Is it good? No. Is it of God? No, no, no. Will he love your actions? No, no, no. Will he love you? Yes. And he will constantly call to those who choose to operate in the dark. But this life is a proving ground. This, uh, he created us so that we can, as people made in his image, choose, choose daily to love him more than self. Okay? People say that scripture is primary in the faith and, and, uh, 
and immovable opinions on what is true are more important than agape love. And we at Cult say no. We say that agape love is primary. That we say that the spirit whose fruit is agape love is primary in the faith today. And that if I meet a Catholic or a Baptist or somebody else who says, well, God is this or God is that, and I disagree with them, I'll say, well, I don't agree, but I love you and I'll treat you with agape love and I'm not going to let this divide us. Immature Christians divide over doctrinal issues. Mature Christians do not. And then there are people who say that Christians are still saving people from going to hell. Hell's done. Satan's done. The world's been reconciled to God. Jesus has the victory. We renounce that and say, let's unify in Christian love, no matter people's respective beliefs and practices. Christians say hell exists, is waiting with its gaping maw to suck in every soul who doesn't say Jesus. It's antiquated. It's not contextual. It misses the lens. Christians say that God's wrath is still existing. No, God's wrath is done. He has been appeased by the blood of his sacred holy son. And finally, Christians say brick and mortar church exists and God, God endorses all of it. And I would say that God winks at it. God puts up with it. But he wants a direct, real relationship with every single individual fully ensconced in the dark or truly seeking him to be in relationship with him. You have a great week. Love you.